Lord God, when we say the words that we are all ready for transformation, we do mean them. But we confess that sometimes our imaginations are incredibly limited as to the kind of transformation that you want to offer us. Some of us carry burdens and fears, a lifetime of experiences that have shaped us to think that not much can change. Others of us have high hopes and high expectations. We think a lot can change, but we've just become incredibly exhausted in trying to make it all happen. And so from all of these various places of experience and emotion and energy levels, we come here. And we confess that we do want something more than we know how to provide for ourselves. Even if that's all we know to say or to ask. We ask, Holy One, that you who created all that we see out of nothing, you who are the God of resurrection, would you expand our ability to imagine not what we can do, but what you can do? Would you fill us with hopeful imaginations so that we can experience the transformation that you want to give us and we trust that it is good? So we wait on you. We are full of expectation. And we ask that you would give us courage to listen and to obey. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to greet you in the strong and the powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Chris. I get to be one of the pastors. Usually on Sunday evening, we invite our ushers to pass out Bibles, but uh, tonight I'm going to be reading out of a different translation. Usually we read out of the New Living Translation, uh, and tonight I'm going to be reading out of the, the New Revised Standard Version. The New Living Translation, I'll just be honest, the passage that we're going to read tonight out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the New Living Translation is rather sloppy in its translation. The New Revised Standard Version is more accurate to the Greek, and so together we want to hear the Word of God in its most accurate way as it has been given to us by the Apostle Paul. So I want to invite you to listen, if you would, and I want to invite you as you listen to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. If you have a Bible on your tablet, you can look at the, uh, or your phone, you can look up the New Revised Standard Version. Start, we're going to be reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting with verse 12, and it will be up here on the wall for you. But I invite you to hear the word of the Lord to the church 
in Thessalonica. It says this, But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do, to do good uh, to one another and to all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and your soul and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. And beloved, pray for us. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I solemnly command you by the Lord that this letter be read to all of them. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of God and for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Earlier in the service, we said this piece together. We said, a leader said, Madison said to us, we are not all the same. But we are all ready for transformation. And then you said, you said it in unison. So let's do the very real and good work of God. And this is the key word, let's do it together. Well, she reminded us then that we gather here to tell the truth. And then you said that you wanted to be a spiritual community of hope and transformation that lives the way of Jesus. Well, a few weeks ago, a friend of mine asked me why we, why we use these words. Why we say together that we are not all the same, but we are all ready for transformation. And then he said to me, he asked me a really profound question. He said, do we really want, do we all really want transformation? I needed to think on that one for a while because words are really important to me. But if you know me, you know that accurate words are even more important I hate hypocrisy. I try to not to be a hypocrite. So I I needed to reflect on his question to make sure that I agreed with these words that we've been saying for almost four years now. It took me a couple of minutes and then I said, yeah, yeah. I had to think about it, but I, I do think that we all want transformation. I, I've not yet a person, I have not met a person yet that doesn't keep his or eyes on the future as they take elements, uh, take inventory of the elements of both their past and their present. Self-help books and videos, people go to counseling, they get education, they, they try to work their way up the ladder, they long for political change or an opportunity to reconcile with somebody. They, I, I, just people are seeking out new jobs or a, a relation, they have a relationship desire. People talk about weight loss or a strength training, pro, uh, training program. People, when I talk to them pastorally, have a difficult memory that they want to overcome. These are the elements that reveal that people long for transformation. So I thought about it, and the answer is yes. In my experience, we are all longing for transformation. And as I go about doing the work of pastoring... 
discussions about the desire of transformation is the consistent theme that holds all of those conversations together. Many of us ended up here at the 8th Street Church because we have a longing for transformation. As a community of faith, we have a longing for transformation. We are longing for transformation. We are longing to live into God's preferred future that is out there ahead of us. And to look into God's preferred future, we, all, we need to, and, and to plan for the future, we need to take inventory of our present, what's happening right now. But we also need to remember our past. So that's, that's a little bit of what I want to do tonight. I, I want to remember past, and then I want to take some inventory of our present so that we'll know what God's future is, or at least we can pray towards that end. So in February of 2015, I gave a presentation. Uh, this was the first slide in the presentation. This was a little less than a year before we started the church. And, and I gave this presentation, and it was on the possibility of starting a new church in Midtown. We hosted this lunch, and a group came who were interested in hearing uh, about us talking about starting a new church. A few of you that are here tonight were there in February of 2015. Uh, this is what the presentation, the front of the presentation was that I gave. And, and while, we had not yet, uh, while we had not yet written our responsive reading, we had scratched out this line. We wanted to be a community of hope that lived the way of Jesus. A community of hope living the way of Jesus. Now, we were thinking about this first Thessalonians passage. We were thinking that we wanted to be the kind of community that Paul so lovingly wrote to here in First and Second Thessalonians. As I read this passage that we read tonight, I don't know if you can feel this, but I can feel the genuine care and love among these Christian brothers and sisters. The final words that he wrote are, are filled with respect and they're filled with favor. These are words of genuine physical affection. There's love in this. There's forgiveness and encouragement. And it seems like these people are about going about doing really virtuous work. They practice faithfulness together. They listen to one another. And they do so with openness and with truth. And they're faithful to listen and to live into the lessons that they're taught. And all of this happens, Paul says, because of the faithfulness that first came to them by God in the person of Jesus Christ. This community that we read about tonight gives me hope. So we put this line at the top of our presentation. A, a community of hope, living the way of Jesus. And we knew that we wanted to be the kind of church that told the whole Christian story. We knew this from the beginning. We wanted to tell the whole Christian story. We wanted to tell the great parts, but we also wanted to tell the rough parts as well. In other words, we wanted to be a church that told the truth. So here we were holding this big meeting, and I'll be honest with you, we weren't doing it to recruit or to lead or to convince but instead, we were holding this big meeting and we were inviting people to engage in a process of discernment. Now, discernment is a, it's a spiritual practice. It's a process or an exercise that people go through so that they might be able to hear the voice of God in their lives 
and also to be able to see the activity of God. But it's more than that because the process of discernment isn't just an individualistic, personal kind of practice. It's actually a communal practice. It's a practice that we do together. It's, it's actually a practice by, uh, by which we, the community that longs for transformation, attempts to hear the voice of God and see the activity of God in our collective life together. This is what discernment is. It's a way by which we, together, lay out our plans in the best and the most honest and the most well-informed and, and the most genuine posture we possibly can, while we at the same time hold those plans with open hands and we, and we say that anything that God desires to do or change, we'll, we'll give God the green light to do it. It's a way by which we together pray, Lord, what would you have us do? And if you tell us, or if you show us, we'll do it. This is what we wanted there on that day in February of 2015. We wanted to be a community of discernment. We wanted to be a community that could discern, that could hear God's voice and see God's activity. And, and we were discerning, which is another say, way to say that we could hear God's voice, we could see his activity, or that we felt like God was being led. We, we were discerning that the way that we should start our church was unconventional. Now, most experts, church experts, told us that we should start our new church on Easter Sunday because that is, as my friend Nick Lee says, the Super Bowl for churches. The, the experts said then that if you can't do that because you didn't plan well enough, well, then you should start your church at the beginning of the school year because the beginning of the school year has a New Year's resolution type feeling where families are making these new resolutions to as their kids go back to school to also get back into church now there was one time that the expert said do not under any circumstances start your new church this time they said was the holiday season never start your new church during the holiday season and especially never start your new church near Thanksgiving. But we, we thought about that, and we're kind of foolish. So we thought about that, and we thought about how we wanted to be a spiritually formative community that could discern God's activity. And we thought about how we wanted to be a spiritually formative community that actually uh, went to the rhythms of a different, uh, a different pace, and we observed time in a different kind of way. We wanted to be a discerning community we wanted to be a community that was shaped by a greater story that, that would resist like strategic ideals. But we wanted to be a community that, that adopted spiritual practices and we wanted to adopt virtues like courage and hospitality and imagination. And so it only made sense for us to observe time in a different kind of way and to resist conventional church planning methods by being faithful to the large, great Christian story that had some good parts and also had some really rough parts. You know, the Christian story starts in Advent. It's the beginning. So in 2015, it started on November the 29th, right near Thanksgiving. 
the season, the time by which you should not, under any circumstance, start your new church. But it was in that season where we were being discerning and we were asking this question, what does it mean to be a people that anticipated God's arrival? Not, a way, not in the way in which we expected, but in the way in which we all needed. That's the Advent question. Another way to say it is, how do we prepare ourselves to be a new community and to expect that God would help us be that? And we said, let's make no mistake about it. God will meet us. And it won't come in the way in which we expect, but it will come in the way in which we all need. We, we started in Advent. We felt like that was the beginning of the story. And we didn't start it. We didn't start our church in the middle of the story, which was Easter. We wanted to start it at the beginning. We also knew that we did not want to start our church based on organizational methods or, or uh, strategies or church growth principles or leadership ideal, ideals, or what other businesses do. We d- certainly did not want to start our church just when it fit everybody's schedules the best. We wanted to take our plans, and our gifts, and our talents, and our work, and we wanted to offer them as a living sacrifice to the God who could make something out of nothing, the God who does things in an unconventional way. So we said... Let's start our church at the beginning of the Christian New Year when it's a really bad time to do so, but we'll do it so the whole Christian story might be able to help us discern who we are and what God would have us do together. And we started our church on November 29th, the first Sunday of Advent of 2015. And I will tell you, looking back on that, it felt like we were in the middle of what the New Testament calls kairos time a special time a sacred time it's it's an appointed time it's an anointed time kairos time is god's time so there in february we put the date on the calendar and over the next over the next couple of months we prayed together and and we worked really hard to get to know one another Frankly, the three-minute good neighbor practice that we do even now, we practiced that before we became a church because we found that we did not know one another and we wanted to be really good neighbors. We also realized that we did not want to get too far ahead of God or too far behind. We were a small group that was willing to do hard things, but we really, this is the honest-to-goodness truth, we did not know what we were doing or what we needed. We just made a collective commitment. We're going to be in step with God's spirit. And we prayed. And God then began to reveal our needs to show us what we should be praying for. So there were the, like these eight things there at the beginning that we came up with. We called them the, the eight mile markers there between February and November. We, we felt like there were these eight things that God was like saying, these are the things that you need to accomplish. Or maybe a better way to say that is, we, we felt like God was leading us into before we could start the church. There, these eight things, these mile markers, we, we just laid them out and we didn't know what we were going to do, but one by one, it was really miraculous. 
together, we saw that God began to provide. And, and at that point, we didn't have any money and we didn't actually have a place to go. We had no idea where we were going to worship. So we established you know, six giving sources and maybe possibilities where we could get some money to start our church. And then we just prayed and planned together. And then, you know what we did together? We wrote our plans down and we prayed about it. And the reason we prayed about it is because together we were attempting to discern the will of God together. So over those next months from February to November of 2015, we said, well, we're just going to give it our best shot. It's the old college try. We think here that there are three major phases where we've got to accomplish these things with God's help. And if God doesn't help us to accomplish these things, it is either on God's time or it's something we do not need. But we did these things together. We got to hear the voice of God together. We got to see the activity of God together. And I, I, I got to emphasize, emphasize this because I can't emphasize it enough. We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> However, we were growing more and more aware that we were in the midst of something that was happening in and through and around us. It was a Kairos time. It was a God-type time. Two weeks ago, I, I walked our, the men and women of our church board, which is, if you don't know, it's like a board of elders, a group of leaders. I walked them through this, this story of our past, and, and I asked them to remember something. It's the same thing that I'm going to ask you to remember. I said to them, remember when you were invited into this community, or maybe you came before it was a community, but remember when you were invited into this, idea, into this idea of this community? Do you remember when you kind of found yourself walking up these steps? Or maybe before that, it was going through the courtyard at City Presbyterian Church where we met before we were here. Or maybe before that, it was you came to one of our first Sundays. Or before that, you came as one of the people who were discerning during one of our prayer meetings. Do you remember where you were when you heard the idea of this church? Or who invited you? Do you remember where you were uh, when you were invited into this community? How did, it, how did it make you feel? What activity or event or conversation made you take notice? What were the things that captured you? Because it wasn't just the good stories that were told. We also told the rough parts too. And I think that all of our stories about getting here were different. People have come from different places. They came at different times. They were led in different ways. But each one of these experiences came in special moments. We call them kairos moments, appointed moments, sacred moments, maybe even anointed moments. They're, they're these special kinds of moments that are significant. They're God-like, divine kind of moments. Do you remember where you were and how you felt and what was going on? Because we feel like we are, again, in a kairos moment as a church. This is a sacred time. There is something special that's happening 
something is going on that we want to pay attention to and discern. We want to hear the voice of God and we also want to see the activity of God. In our earliest days, we said that we wanted to live the way of Jesus and the way of living the way of Jesus was to be the kind of people that just didn't take up space, but to be the kind of people that made space. We wanted to be environmentally responsible we found that we were being led to this corner here in this building. And, and we've known that our little church building here is actually quite small. And friends, it's a Kairos moment. And we are running into an obvious problem. It's a good problem, but it's a problem nonetheless. Our building is getting full. And the reason it's full is because we love each other. And that's a problem, a good problem, but it's happening. And the problem is, we are truly acting as good neighbors to one another. And I watch you, and I'm so proud of you. Our problem is that each of us has a story about how we've gotten to 8th Street, and, and we found a community and a home here. And it's wonderful to see that happen. And our problem is that we said that we wanted transformation, and that is exactly what we've got. We're not the same church that we were four years ago. We're becoming that transformational community that's found in First Thessalonians. A community that is not just, be, a community that's being stretched. A community that's being invited to make space, not just take up space. A couple of Sundays ago, this sanctuary was standing room only. I don't know if you know this, but we have now 60 children that are under the age of 10 that are regularly at this church. If everybody came who was a part of the H3 church on the same Sunday, well, we wouldn't all fit. And I'll tell you this, for about a year, I've been thinking about what this would mean for us if we, I don't know, multiplied our space and we did two services. And I'll tell you, I gotta confess to you that I've struggled about this a lot. I've worried about our kids. I've had sleepless nights over the last year. I've prayed about it, tried to pray about it. I couldn't pray about it. I've talked to experts and people that have done it. I've read books. I've obsessed over time. I've spent time working through all the scenarios in my mind and on paper. And I've been concerned that I could actually lead us. This church feels so wonderful to me. And at the same time, it feels so fragile to me. Lots of people have found faith here again. Some people have found healing. Some have found a safe place to be themselves. And all are welcome. And I do not want to make one move that hurts a person based on my poor leadership or some silly authoritative decision. So in June this year, before our family left for vacation, I got to tell you, I was exhausted. And I sent a letter to, uh, a note to our uh, church board, and I said this, I will confess, because we had been talking about it for almost a year as a church board, I am at a loss about two services and the best way to do this. I don't know how to do it. I'm feeling like two services may be our next best option as we think and plan for the future. We knew it was coming. We said that we wanted to be the kind of people that made space and didn't just take up space. We knew that it was coming when we planned for this very small and new building. We wanted to create space for our kids, but we also want to do it for more than just numerical growth purposes. 
So I said to them, I, I'm going to lay this down for a few weeks. And instead of boring you with another discussion, I canceled our Wednesday night meeting because I didn't want us to gather and just draw the same conclusions. And I said to them, I ask that you pick this up in prayer because I can't do it anymore. And we want to be, we want to do what's good and true and courageous and noble. But I know this for a fact, we want to do it together. So I put it down. I went on vacation because I could not think clearly. Adding, adding another service to me to be, seemed to me to be a, a strategic move based on organizational principles. Well, that seemed so the opposite of how we have done things around here. And, and then it, it, it dawned on me. At the end of my vacation, it was like God gave me some Kairos time of freedom where I didn't have to feel burdened anymore. It it was at the end of my vacation that I remembered and and it dawned on me that we have never done anything based on what is cool. That is obvious. (laughs) We've never done what is popular or what will attract people. And this whole thing is certainly not dependent on my leadership. And it came to me one day assistant uh, just a few weeks ago one day our assistant Jessica McDaniel who attends another church said to us in staff meeting one of the best things that I saw you all do is help people walk through the process of discernment in your first days and then with sadness she said never one time ever has a pastor ever invited me into that process it was an aha moment I thought Oh, we are not a group of people that do things in a conventional way. We are a group of people that are led through the spiritually formative practice of discernment. Now, mind you, we don't decide together. It's not a vote we take. We discern together. We listen to the voice of God and we look for God's activity. And there is a huge difference between we decide together and we discern together. Discernment calls us into obedience. And it was then when she said that, I remembered that we are not an organization. We are a community. We're a community that is changing and growing and we're adding new neighbors. We're a spiritually formative community. We're a community of transformation. And since the beginning, but even before the beginning, God has been directing us. And God has been inviting different kinds of people with different kinds of gifts and talents into the conversation and into the process of discernment. And it was then that, that I, along there, talking with Jessica, that I, along with our pastors and, and our board, began to ask spiritually formative questions rather than strategic ones. Those first days that we had together, we remembered, were thrilling. And they were also very scary. But we've decided to go back to the beginning. And we've decided to do the practice of discernment together. The pastors, the board, the congregation, we want to practice, we want to do the practice of discernment as it pertains to not just taking up space, but making more space. We think, and the conversations have gone like this, we we think that perhaps maybe we need to add another service, but we don't know how. And and we don't even know really what the best time is to do it. So we're going to go about praying about it. 
And we're going to invite you to pray about it. And we want to have good conversations, good God conversations about it. And the reason, I think the reason that we need to do this is, is not because another service is the point or adding more people is the point, and certainly church growth methods is not the point. And, and I don't even think having more influence is the point. But I think if that we would go through this discernment process and we would do it together, we will experience transformations in ways that are thrilling, that we couldn't imagine or dream. So um, a couple things quickly to help kind of set the table for how we want to go about the process of discernment, the practice of discernment. Your, your church board has prayerfully decided, which is another way to say discerned, that the best thing to do would um, to open up the doors here on Sunday morning and gather at 10 a.m. for prayer. That's what we're going to do. We're going to open the doors and gather at 10 a.m. for prayer and uh, breakfast. And we're going to start that in two weeks, su- Sunday, September the 22nd. Anybody is welcome. We'll still have our regular 5 p.m. service, uh, our 5 p.m. worship service. But this would be a great time to come and eat and make new friends. I even heard that there might be a group that might be interested in doing a casual bike ride early in the morning, coming, then uh, praying together, and then going having breakfast together. You're invited to do that. It's super casual, but we invite you to open your ears and your eyes and your hearts and your minds and even your hands to do the work once God tells us and once we can see what he's inviting us to do. The other thing we did was this. Just like the first round, we put together some mile markers. We don't have a good spiritual way to call it anything other than mile markers in a new, for starting a new service. And I'm sure these will adapt and change. You can see some of them there. We're going to pray and discern. Coffee and breakfast will be happening here. Small group of committed people, hopefully. And, uh, and maybe we'll sing together. Maybe there'll be a short homily or sermon We'll need greeters and ushers, maybe if we start a second service, I don't know, on and on and on. But we're praying about this together, just in the same way that we did it when we started the new church. So uh, I want you to hear this for six weeks then. From September the 22nd to the last Sunday of October, we'll gather at that 10 a.m. time slot. And we'll pray together. And we'll be together. And we'll enjoy one another. And we'll eat together. And then if God determines that starting another service is what we're being led to do, then in November we will start meeting for practice services, which is what we did before we started the church on November the 29th of 2015. And then, if we feel led to do so, if the voice calls us, if we are discerning together that, you know what, this is the way in which we make space, then we'll start a new service at the beginning of the story. The worst time in the world to start a new service. The first Sunday of Advent, which this year is December the 21st. Excuse me, December the 1st. And there's a lot to talk about still. And frankly, I have tried to work out all the details in my mind because there's lots and lots of details. But here, here's what I know. We, we were together led to start a church. And we have been led to be the church together. 
And I know this, that God has blessed us and God has given us this fabulous home. And God did this so that we could make space for others. And before we even entered this place, we knew this, that the 8th Street Church was a building in Oklahoma City we wanted to reimagine and restore. But all along the way, we knew that it was more than a building that was being restored. We were being transformed. 